You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Big news today, Brian. Lots of news going on. So uh, I'm just going to get right down to business this week. Today, head coach of Bishop Sycamore High School, Roy Johnson, was fired. <laughs> Brian, are you a candidate? For the Bishop's job. <laughs> I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I don't, I don't understand the story. Like one aspect of it. I can't, I haven't really read it. I'm, all I've seen is like headlines and tweets and I have not dug into it at all, but like, I don't understand what happened or who was involved or what was accomplished. I don't, I don't get it. But then and I, I thought he was fired, but it's like a fake school. Right. So what, what does that mean? <laughs> Well, and his name is Roy Johnson, which sounds almost as made up as Bishop Sycamore. Like, right. I love it. He got fired from like a fake occupation. I don't even get it. Right. Well, unfortunately, it was all too real. I really don't get it either. And I've read the articles. I just don't understand how this happened. So for our fans that don't know the story, Bishop Sycamore High School, which allegedly is in Columbus, Ohio, it uses an address in Columbus, Ohio for a youth recreation center. Uh, just, I don't know. They started a football team. They had a football team. It seems as though they somehow figured out a way to take advantage of the chaos of last year and all the things that COVID restrictions, um, all the effects it had on schools and, uh, you know, high school sports. They formed Bishop Sycamore high school, which is a hilarious name. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bishop Sycamore. (laughs) What? Right. What is that? Right. It's not affiliated with any archdiocese. So I don't know how they acquired the name Bishop. Uh, Sycamore, I guess, typically a Native American uh, name. Uh, Ohio has a lot of high schools named after Native American tribes that they intentionally displaced. So I guess in Columbus, they just chose, hey, we got a lot of Catholics. We got a lot of Native American (laughs) names. Let's just... Put them together. Smush them together. (laughs) So uh, Bishop Sycamore went 0-6 last year. I don't know who they played. But so, you know, you do have a lot of chaos in the high school athletic ranks these days because of different COVID restrictions and different uh, towns making their sort of their own decisions about the best way to proceed. So schools that typically just fill up their schedule with the other local schools in their areas found themselves with holes in their football schedule. And Lord knows during a global pandemic, the last thing you want is a hole in your kid's high school football schedule. So schools were just like, hey, Bishop Sycamore is putting out the word. It's a way to fill the week. Let's schedule Bishop Sycamore, who then ended up playing a game on Friday night and then played another game on Sunday against IMG Academy, which is one of the top, you know, it's funny because IMG Academy is Bishop Sycamore but like well-funded and well-organized. Right. I mean, right. it's just like, what? what is that school? Yeah, like, oh, that's a real school. IMG right. Academy, isn't that like a sports agency? Like, yes, they have their own school? Like, what's going on? Right. <laughs> nothing. I mean, right. They're just better funded and better organized. They're a, right. they're a similar type of ridiculous thing. I guess the only thing is, is that because they're well-funded and well-organized, we assume 
that the safety of the kids in their charge is accounted for in some way. Right. Whereas I don't think Bishop Sycamore was concerning themselves with such things. Well, an IMG Academy has actual high school students, right? Whereas Bishop Sycamore, seemingly these were junior college. I, I, yep. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. <laughs> Not only were they junior college, they're like, right. Yeah, they they played in a game that was televised on ESPN. Right. I don't How understand. Did that I don't understand what happened. I don't get any part of the story. Like and I who's getting realize I don't fired. understand how high school works or I I've lost the thread. I am a high school athletic director and I don't understand how this happened. Right. Like I can't fathom it. I if I got an email from somebody at Bishop Sycamore. If that was the school name, the name in the email was Bishop Sycamore, I would just immediately move that to the spam folder. Right. Bishop Sycamore. Like, Bishop Sycamore? There's no such thing. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I wouldn't open the email. Just delete Bishop Sycamore. That's not real. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that story. Yeah. Well, just that, you know, America's gone crazy and uh it just what a weird thing to use the pandemic to exploit <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's just like junior sports kids sports is just totally i mean this is like that's not like youth but it's just all it's been all so corrupted like just that there's img academy and that's it starts when they're like five years old like i just sent my son off for his first day of the hoboken city football club Sponsored by the Red Bulls. It's oh. like super intense though. I mean, it's like, you know, two practice sessions and scrimmages and eight different jerseys I got to buy and like Whoa. training. And, you know, it's just like what ridiculous. Team is he on? Hoboken City FC. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be big. It is going to be huge. Well, Speaking of going to be big, speaking of things to get excited about, how about that Daniel Jones on Sunday? <laughs> how about those Giants? Luis Sile, we finally got to see those Giants coming out in their blue jerseys in front of those home, those rabid MetLife fans, and going to get us all excited for the regular season, get us fired up, and, well, well <laughs> if you weren't excited ahead of the game, you're probably less excited now. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. We should at this point do an ad read for some sort of suicide prevention hotline. Right, right. Any uh, fear you might have had about your New York Giants, they did not, they did everything they could to not put those fears to rest. Like, In fact, in some cases, <laughs> exacerbated those exacerbated fears. Every single one of them. Every single one, right? I mean, every single one. Right. I think if you look at it, it's like, you know, the offensive line, Daniel Jones turnovers, Evan Ingram not becoming this weapon that you're hoping for, Jason Garrett's offense, you know, not being underwhelming, I guess, would be would be the right word for, to describe it. <laughs> underwhelming offense from Jason Garrett it was all on display. All it was all there for everybody to see. Um yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. I will caution, they left the game with the lead. <laughs> right. Yeah, they did. 
They did. They did. I don't know how or why they did it. Right. Yeah, how did that happen? They left the field with the lead. That's all I will say. Yeah, they did. And a win is a win. If in the in the universe of which preseason football is evaluated, they won. They won the game. <laughs> they didn't win the I, game, but they won their game. I am sitting here actually kind of speechless and stunned because <laughs> you're right. They did. And I don't, I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it was just so hard, I guess, to process how infuriating all the problems that were on display were that I guess it was distracting, but we did win. How did we do that? Well, I guess I mean, we held him to two field goals. Right. Not to mention yeah. that, look, Daniel Jones throws, throws a terrible interception. The last thing you wanted to see, genuinely terrible pick. Um, had he not, <laughs> right? they would have, they might have well left the field up 14 to six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is, I am, I am on my heels right now, Brian, because I was fired up and I was ready to tear them apart, but you're making a lot of sense. You know, look, I mean, the only thing that like the Andrew Thomas thing was jarring. I mean, it was jarring. He was right. so bad. And the, the reps that they showed of him, you know, the, the plays were, were so bad <laughs> when awesome. he got beat. It was like, oh, wow. And it wasn't like he was going against a top flight guy. And so it's hard not to be really alarmed by it. The only thing I will say is we've just spent all summer hearing good things about Andrew Thomas. You know, like I have not heard a bad thing. Everybody who was at Giants camp, who reports on Giants camp, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the feeling was that he is poised for a good season. So it's like, how much do you want to spaz about how bad he was? Well, and I think this speaks to actually something you and I were going back and forth about over text this morning is I don't know that i trust the people who report on the giants anymore right i just because you're right i've heard a lot of good things about andrew thomas they're making progress you know he's poised for a much better year he's fixed these things he's improved etc etc the giants are always saying good things about their guys and you know it is hard for these guys to see from far away like the guys who are actually at training camp i see from their pictures they're kind of limited in what they're able to see and what they're able to talk about i I just don't understand how he could have been that bad you know it wasn't like he had matt judon to deal with all day he had and i know the patriots have a really good front they do and those are some quality players but i mean we have a lot of good defenses on this schedule this year so he's gonna have to play well but I don't know. It was too similar. I mean, I don't even know if the problems are different. The bottom line is you just can't be that bad. How is he that bad? He gets out there in his first preseason game, and he was horrendous. (laughs) No, he was. And, like, look, it's so hard not to – I mean, the Giants, the year they drafted this guy, had their pick of any tackle they wanted in a year where there were tons of good ones. And the three guys that went after him are all studs. There's Wills, 
Becton and what's his name? Worfs. And they're yeah. all amazing. They're all awesome. <laughs> awesome. Right. And he stinks. stinks. And it's like, how is this possible? You know, like, how is it possible? And so the only reason I'm not like flipping is because it's just like, I can't believe he's, he's, he's this bad, you know, that he's just going to be a disaster this year. And I just can't believe it yet. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't know that that may be ridiculous. Like we saw it, right? Um, so I, I don't know, but it was not what anyone wanted to see, and I get why everybody's <laughs> everybody's freaking out because of it. It was how could you not? Um, I will say, when we play in two weeks, we're going to have a lot of players on the field who were not on the field. Um, you know, on Sunday. Right. And, you know, I think that'll make a difference. It could. All right. Well, we'll get, that's a separate issue. And that actually, I think is more effective now that you point out that we had an opportunity to go in the locker room at halftime on Sunday up 14, six, but regardless, the guys who started a tackle on Sunday are the guys who are going to start a tackle against Denver. Denver has Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So, you know, is if Kenny Galladay is on the field, is he going to have time to get 20 yards downfield before something horrible happens to Daniel Jones? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely a concern. I mean, the offense, it just, it's such a slog. And I feel like we can get into this. Like, it's just, it's just painful to watch the Giants play offense. Like, yeah. The play calling. And I've got, I real I actually, I know Daniel Jones threw the terrible pick. I still I like Daniel Jones. I really like Daniel Jones. I think he's good. I like he's big. He's fast. He's got a good arm. He throws some great passes. He makes some terrible decisions. Yes. I think if the Giants, I think a well-coached team with good things around him, I really do like him. Watching them play offense, though, like everything is hard. Like they don't do anything to make it easy. Like Every throw, like the touchdown he threw, you know, is a perfect ball. Like every play just feels like it's got to be a perfect pass. And it's such incremental. It's no chunks, you know. It's everything is just like five, four, six. Like no one running free. It just feels like. It's such a grind. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. Even run plays are just run into a pile in the middle and, you know, get anywhere between negative two and four yards. And that's it. And oh, anytime we go to the outside, it's like a tricky play. Like, it's usually a wide receiver reverse that we run to the outside to get to the perimeter. And again, same thing. It's like a four-yard gain. Right, and and it's just like, I want a guy like Jason Garrett. It's like every play is an opportunity to score a touchdown. Like, I'm not saying that every play needs to be a bomb down the field, but, like, that's how you should look at every play. And he has so many plays where it's like you can tell the whole int- – I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, on first down, hey, I want to get six, seven yards or whatever. And like, there's times in the game where, like, I'd like to get five yards here. We do. We run so many plays where the intent is 
let's get five yards. You know right. what I mean? Like, where the only thought is, like, let's get five or six yards. And, yeah. like, I'm tired of it. I don't want to get five or six yards. I, I hate watching it. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. It is awful. And it's, like, you're. I think you're 100% right about how our offense looks, right? Like we're not, we're just, and you said it to me earlier today about the objective of football, not being to get first downs. And that's exactly it because it's like every, it feels like every time Jason Garrett gets a first down, it's like, we did it guys. First down. Mission accomplished. Yeah. First down. <laughs> Put one on the board, right. you know, and you're so right. And the problem is, is that there are so many plays in the offense where there's no actual, like you said, no actual threat to the defense. They're fine. You want to gain five yards, gain five yards. I don't trust that you could do that 20 times right. in, in like, you know, in a row. So go ahead, do that, do us that favor, put no stress on us whatsoever, not mentally. Cause we don't have to worry about you trying to, you know, get a big play, not physically because all you're trying to do is get a very short amount of yardage, which is not that difficult in non-short yardage situations. And, you know, we could just sit here and wait for you to screw up because someone's going to screw up when you need that many plays to move the ball. Right. True. You're right. You're just more opportunity. And, and, and all this seems to be done in the, in the service of limiting the risk to your quarterback, who, yes, is turnover prone. And yet, to me, it puts him in more gives him more opportunities to turn it over, make poor decisions, puts more stress on him and takes away the things that he's good at, which is like making explosive plays. Like that's where he thrived in the beginning of his career. And like, you've seen none of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I totally agree with you. Like you get the feeling that Jason Garrett thinks at the end of the game, you add up who had the most first downs <laughs> and that's the winner. You know, and it's like, no, I mean, it was, I've, you know, I think the fans know I've coached high school football and that was literally the defensive strategy when I was a JV coach and a varsity coach, make the other team's offense put together a long sustained drive because there's no way they could do that. Right. And you, you would think at the pro level, okay, fine. The players are better. So they have an easier time doing that, but also the defensive players are better. So it's it's the same level of difficulty. The fewer plays you can score in, the better that is for the offense. And it's it's just infuriating. Everything, everything is just so much work out there. Yeah. And, that, and yeah, you said it already. That is not what we have Daniel Jones for. Like, if that's what you're using Daniel Jones for, what's the point? Right. Put Mike Glennon in there if we're going right. to run this ridiculous offense. And, and, and like, I just think if the Giants plan this year – is run the ball and and maintain the ball and play defense. They have so misdiagnosed who they are. This defense, I like the defense. I think our defense is going to be good. It's not that. We don't have that kind right. of team. We're right. not. And I don't think Saquon is that kind of back. You know, he I don't think you're going to care give him the ball 30 times. He's coming off an ACL injury. You know, and he and he's not really hasn't been necessarily like five yards, six yards. You know, he's one yard, two yards, and then fifty. Right. Like he's explosive. He's more of a pass catcher. You know, like I just think if that's who you think we are, like 
like forget it let's go home now if you think we're gonna play if we're gonna be the seahawks and play like they play forget it like right cancel the whole thing (laughs) and don't make me watch it because i can't watch it it's painful but i'm sorry i think that's how they think i agree see any other evidence otherwise so we got into it this morning about our guy jason garrett you want to blame Judge for his presence. Well, first of all, I just want to go back a little bit and, and to say because you say you like Daniel Jones, and I understand why you like Daniel Jones. I wouldn't say I don't like Daniel Jones, but I don't like Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I, I guess he would be like, I just don't know how you like him because I don't see a path to him being good with Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. I agree with you. He has skills and tools to be a good player. I think it's, I think it's really funny that early when, but when he got drafted before he ever played an NFL game, a lot of the comparisons I heard were the best case scenario was he'd end up as Ryan Tannehill. And this was before Ryan Tannehill has had this run in, in Tennessee. And I don't disagree with that. I didn't then, and I still kind of don't now. But I don't think that Ryan Tannehill could play for Jason Garrett. So we need to pair Daniel Jones with the right kind of play caller who knows how to use him. And it's just that Jason Garrett isn't only not that guy. He is the exact opposite of what that guy is. I agree. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but like... I mean, I think getting rid of Jason Garrett's a lot easier than getting rid of Daniel Jones is going to be. Um, I just feel like what's interesting to me about Daniel Jones is when we did draft him, it was like, oh, we got this guy who's like not so talented, but, oh, he was coached by David Cutcliffe and he's really smart and all of that. And what's been funny to watch is I think he's super talented, but he's a moron. (laughs) you know like it's the opposite like i i I think he's really athletic he's got a strong arm um i like watching him play he just makes terrible decisions sometimes um and so that's where it's kind of an interesting thing i do agree with you the match between the two of them seems really ill-suited i mean i just don't (laughs) i don't know x's and l's like you do or like a lot of people who talk about football online and whatever, wherever, but like, what's with the freaking stick routes? Like, what is the deal? Why do we have so many plays where a guy, I saw this interesting guy breaking down Daniel Jones's performance and he, and every time, every play he was like, you know, yes. not, not the most interesting route combination here, like, <laughs> but he makes a good decision and here's a good throw, whatever. And it was like, every play was like, you know, again, not really, not quite the most dynamic play here. <laughs> Every call was a guy running 10 yards and turning around. You, you sent that video to me. You sent that link to me, the video. What we got to do is, and this is what we'll do. And we'll do this because we love our fans. We're going to, I'm going to take a screenshot of when he, he has like the red marker where before the play, he draws the play out. So you kind of know what to look for. <laughs> Every He's like, it's three different plays. Every play, there was like three straight lines. That's, that's it. That's what the route was. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like outrageous. 
Yeah, we just got to take screenshots of those three different places. Right. Supposed to be different places. Oh, look, it's a red right. line. That's it. Just, it's just like, what is this? And the funny thing is, is that you would think, in theory, what he's trying to do there, right, is run a safe play. It's just like, because what you're going to do, it's it's not that complex. It's if you notice that the, that the safeties in the corners are back up off the guy and they're not playing press coverage, when you get those guys to run a certain distance that gets them into a soft area, stop hard turn, Daniel Jones delivers the ball, and it's supposed to be a relatively safe play because, you know, the guys are playing off. We're just going to get, like, a short amount of yards. The guys run, turn around, throw them the ball. The problem is when you run that play constantly, it stops being a safe play. Right. Yeah, totally. It, it, it makes you a sitting duck for a turnover. Right. In fact, the, the pick he almost threw, uh, well, that almost was a pick six, felt to me like a perfect example of that, where they had been running that constantly, having the three guys run 10 yeah. yards and turn around, and the DB played off it because he knows he's not going deep, so right. I don't have to worry about that. And then as soon as the play starts, he's like, I know what he's doing. He's yeah. gonna, and he drove on it, and he nearly picked it off. And it's like, it was like, a play designed to have your quarterback <laughs> throw a pick six. Like right. if you were throwing the game, I don't know that you would have done anything differently at that point <laughs> in the game. It was so clear. They had seen this. He's definitely not going to run past me because they don't do that. He's going to turn around and stop. I see it. <laughs> and it was just like, why? And even if he tries to run past you, Daniel just doesn't have time to throw a ball past <laughs> Right, right, right. True. You don't have to worry about it because, yeah, if it needs to take that long, it's he's going to be sacked. Yeah. I don't know. So you, though, you – what degree do you want to hold Joe Judge accountable for this? What is the percentage of accountability you demand of Joseph Judge? I'll t- if 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 it's this if this is it all season if we have if we have a terrible if we're in the bottom if our offense is 25th or worse in the league this year and Jason and Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator the entire season I will hold Joe Judge 100% responsible 100% Yes this is his team this is his offensive coordinator It's this John Mara's team It's Joe it's Judge's John team Mar- why is it Joe Judge's team? Joe Judge is the most powerful man in the Giants organization. I totally believe that. After John Mara. Yes, but I think John Mara would do what Joe Judge wants him to do. If he wanted to get rid of Jason Garrett, he could fire him today. He could fire him publicly. He could fire him during a game. And John Mara <laughs> would say, that's the coach. He would let him do it. No, I think John Mara... Would expect Joe Judge to resign if Jason Garrett's offense wasn't working out. <laughs> no, why is he so in bed with Jason Garrett? I don't. I just don't. Think I don't he is. Even, Why are you asking me that? I'm the one who wants to know that answer to that question more than anyone else on planet Earth. I think. Why? I, I don't know why. I think you are totally right in the origins of how Jason Garrett arrived here. I think it was heavily suggested that he hire him. I think Joe Judge is a young guy who really wanted the job. I think he probably was given a sense that that would help him get the job. He agreed to meet with him, and he agreed to have him as his offense coordinator. I don't think he, like, hated the idea. I find that hard to believe. If he, if he was dead set against it, I don't think the Giants would have made him hire him. But now, Joey Judge 
is in charge. I think he could get rid of Gettleman if he wanted. I think he could get rid of Garrett if he wanted. Okay, so why did he want to keep him then? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think he has a philosophy. I think he, you know, would like to possess the ball, like, you know run that kind of style of offense. I I don't really know. I don't know what Joe Judge's offensive philosophy is. You know, it's hard to glean. He doesn't have, like, his background, unfortunately, is special teams. You know, it seems like he's a little bit more of a defensive coach because, uh, you know, the Patrick Graham hire seems like right in his, you know, he's cared more about. Um, He doesn't have a lot of offensive coaches on the staff who seemingly have the connection to him. You know, he went out and got Freddie kitchens. Like he doesn't, he didn't have that seemingly have the infrastructure on offense that he did elsewhere from a coaching perspective. What do you mean? Cause Freddie kitchens and, and him had a background together. They uh, worked together at Mississippi state. Right. But I just, I don't know. It just seems like he didn't grab anybody from the Patriots. Like, I, I don't know. Like right. that just seems like an odd, that didn't strike me as like a particularly, um, encouraging higher either you know like that, that, that his whole offensive staff was a little bit like huh <laughs> well yeah i agree i definitely agree with you there i guess right because he retained our wide receivers coach from uh the Shermer era he hired mark colombo as seemingly a package deal with jason garrett there's freddie kitchens came in from cleveland uh and then, you know, I know he brought in Dave DeGuliamo, who was a Patriots guy, but he actually got fired from the Patriots, which is kind of rare. They don't usually fire their assistants that freely over there. Um, I'm trying to think who else. But yeah, and you're Shiplinsky. right. Right. Yes. So he did bring over. So he did bring over the quarterbacks, quarterbacks coach from New England. So, I mean, yeah. that's a pretty big tell, I guess. And New England is, you know, or always kind of was a little bit more ball, ball control as well, but sort of more individual game plan uh, on a per game basis. Yeah. I don't know. I I do think that even if you're right about that, this is the style of football that Joe judge prefers. And I think you're probably right about that. It's not like Jason Garrett is the top guy for that style. Like, unless the style is like terrible, (laughs) I mean, but like for ball control, you know, I I agree. We both agree with that. We both agree. He should be gone. The only question is who is responsible for him still being here. And I think Judge has to take as much responsibility as anybody. I don't think the Giants would make him against their against his will make this his offensive coordinator. I think that John Mara's expectation is that before he fired Jason Garrett, he resigned, much like my father thought that Kayagawa was going to return all of his contract <laughs> money to the New York Yankees and then return to Japan in disgrace for his poor play. But... Let me make the case for you about why I don't blame Judge for Jason Garrett's continued presence on the New York Giants sideline. I think, like, I guess you made a good point about the staff, but the bottom line is is that even this offseason, he brought in a bunch of his own people. Like, he has a connection to the offensive line coach, Sale. Uh, You know, he promoted Freddie Kitchens, who is sort of, the only guy on the staff with play calling experience that Joe Judge has worked with, you know, he's sort of vowed to take more of a 
more of a, a a role in the offense. And that just doesn't seem like the kind of thing you do when you trust your offensive coordinator. I think that the way Mark Colombo exited last year was a strong tell because there's no way that Colombo and Garrett weren't in cahoots on something. You know, they're up to something, those two. And Joe Judge had to had to make a split and it got really contentious. There's no way that had no impact on his relationship with Jason Garrett. And just the fact that Jason Garrett was rumored for this job before Joe Judge even came into the picture just shows how, like, I think the only reason that Jason Garrett wasn't the head football coach to begin with was because they sort of floated out that little test balloon in November in that Daryl Slater story on NewJersey.com. And the reaction to it was, that's insane. And so they were like, well, shit, we can't make him the head coach. I guess let's just make him the offensive coordinator. We got to tell Joe he's got to live with it. I agree with you. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think that's roughly what happened. Um, I just, again, I just think at a certain point, it's not going to fly. Like there's going to come a point where Joe judge doesn't get, I mean, unless he fires him, you know, I mean, I think you like, if, if he's gone at a certain point, then I, I think you'll, you'll be proven right. Um, but I just, I think at a certain point, um, Joey Judge, this is his team, man. He's <laughs> he's no, the head coach. Like he can't just he doesn't get to say like, oh, I was going to be great, but I had a bad. Like either make him call the right, like either work with the guy. Like at this some point, this is your the head coach. This is your team. This is the product you're putting on the field. This is the way they're playing offensive football. Like it's on you, man. I agree with that. I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think it's the end of this year. If Jason Garrett's not fired by the end of this year, then fine. I'll pin it on Judge. But I think up until now, I think he's been forced to do it. I also think that there's too many things at play here where, like, I do think, or at least I heard, and I actually, I, maybe we should talk about this or maybe we'll save it for another time, but uh, Francesa was saying on Bill Simmons' podcast that he thinks that the organization loves Judge so much. And I, I get that that part of it kind of strengthens your argument. Uh, but that they love him so much that he will outlast Daniel Jones if Daniel Jones isn't the answer. And I think that that Gettleman, Daniel Jones, and Jason Garrett, their careers are all very intertwined. And they can't be kind of unbundled the way that you can, at this point, I think, unbundle Judge from that trio and not make them a foursome. And I think that the Giants organization made a decision where like, you know, if we move on from all three of these guys, like if they, if we drafted Justin Fields or Mac Jones with the 10th pick, that would signal that we're moving on from Gettleman and Daniel Jones and probably Jason Garrett. And so all those three guys, their careers are essentially either over or, you know, Daniel Jones restarts, and it's an uphill battle at that point. And I just think that the Giants were like, we like all three guys too much. Garrett, Gettleman, Jones, to kind of kneecap their career right now without giving the three of them one more chance to prove themselves. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I just like, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to, I said this to you earlier in the week. Like, I feel like I like judge. I do. I think he's a promising coach, but like, I hate the way we play offense. I hate watching us play. Yeah, I agree. And like, I almost, part of me almost wishes we just kept Pat Shermer and we'd be a lifeless 500 (laughs) team, I think. But I think Daniel Jones would be playing pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> and we'd be a lot more fun to watch and we wouldn't go anywhere and we'd be losers. And I don't think we'd play with any heart and we'd probably be like a 500 team that like kept losing the division, but we'd be, <laughs> we'd be more interesting to watch. And if the choice was like Shermer versus judge and Garrett, I don't know. Like, I think Garrett, I do think he's that poisonous. And I don't even know. I mean, it seems incredible. I don't know offense, like again, football, like the the well enough. But it just strikes me as how unwatchable we are on offense. Um, and when I go back to that first year of Daniel Jones, we at least had some fun games. Like he had some big games. Yeah. No, I. I. You're right. Like, I like, guess this right. Stinks. <laughs> His rookie year, I didn't watch Giants games. Like, I watched Giants games that were kind of winning, and I just feel angry. Right. Yeah. Like, that game we won it last year against the Seahawks when Colt McCoy yeah. played. It stunk. Like, that yeah. just stinks to watch that kind of football. Like, and so that was the thing that was the most alarming to me about this. But even the offensive line and Daniel Jones turnover was just the type of football we played on offense of just every play feels hard. Every yard feels earned and nothing comes easy out there. And it's just such a slog to, to watch. Yeah. It's been a weird 40 minutes where I feel like we've agreed with everything that we've said and yet don't seem to agree. And I don't (laughs) totally understand why, but yeah, I, I get everything you're saying. Uh, Real quick ad read here. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, the pandemic has been very difficult for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. So, Brian, let's say uh, the Delta variant doesn't run through the tri-state area like a wildfire, and you and I somehow manage to figure out a way to attend a live Giants game this season. And while we're there, and we have watched the 30th consecutive play that were all stops, and we rightfully then begin to rain booze down upon Jason Garrett, if we see him turn to us and give the thumbs down, what are we doing? I will probably rush the field. (laughs) Totally justifiable. (laughs) Boo. <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't know what like what what's your i'm curious your feeling on this like i uh as i get older like i find my like one i'm not a booer 
I don't boo. I think it's <laughs> I, I think it's stupid. I think it's dumb. And I I get it probably doesn't feel so great. On the other hand, it's not a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I do think as a as an athlete, like I I I, don't, I hate ever being this guy, but it's like you're making a lot of money like it's a pretty small price to pay. <laughs> I don't know, you know? Like where are you on that? I mean, first of all, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> like just what are you guys doing? Right, like, the way you... it was so matter of fact too. Like I wanted to let them know they're gonna get a little of this. Right. <laughs> Which by the way is so hilarious. Like the fact I boo you. Right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I kind of love it. And actually my yeah. take on it was that I feel like they should have doubled down on it. Like, cause they, right. I feel like their apology was the worst part. It was right. so stupid. Like, like they, you know, on Sunday he says he wanted to let them know how it feels. Right. <laughs> Which is the funny, like, okay, well now that I know how it feels, it's not that bad. So I don't really understand what you're so upset about. Like going right. like that. Like, I don't care. Well, yeah. I don't know. Some people were pretty angry, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, hate, they hated it. <laughs> so maybe he made his point. Well, right. But I think, Randy, that's true. I think he should have doubled down. I right. think he should have been like, get over yourselves, Met fans. Who do you think you are here? Like, yeah, yeah. Wh- what do you want from us? We're doing our best. Like, get out of my face. But yeah, no, I just think that the apology is so much worse where like they're saying like they didn't mean to offend anybody. (laughs) Like that's a lie. Yeah. You obviously meant to like your clear intent was to offend. Yeah, right. Of course it was right. The purpose was to make people angry and feel bad. Right. (laughs) You were you were angry at them. So you did something as payback to hurt them. So you can't now come up and say, like, I didn't intend to offend anybody. Of course you intend. That was the whole purpose of the thing. That's what the whole controversy is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I'm not going to, it's like, it's one of those things where, you you know, it's not that big a deal. I don't like, for instance, I don't think it means that Javi Baez, like, cannot play on this team anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I heard John Yastrzemski, whatever that guy was like, get out of here! You want to get out? Of here? You know, <laughs> it's like, look, calm down, okay? Is it? But is it good? No. Is it that big a deal? Also, no. But yeah. What's weird is that it wasn't just like one. wasn't just like a moment of frustration. It's like a campaign with these guys, and it's like Francisco Lindor, seemingly <laughs> the ringleader of it. You know, like let's every and it almost like a team building exercise, like bond the guy it. with a ten year contract. Right. $300 million. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I know what you mean. I don't want to be, you know, you guys get paid a lot of money guy, but you know, look, yeah, I bet. I bet that after a while getting booed can really take its toll, especially if you're doing your best, like, you know, you are doing your level best and it's just not working. And then on top of that, you got a bunch of people far less talented than you booing and judging and criticizing you. I get that that probably takes a toll, but I mean, you know, look, 
everybody's job has some aspect of it, some element of it that takes a toll on them. Like that's like, that's life. And I'm not even, I also don't even like to be suck it up guy, but it's just like, look, booing has been a part of professional sports for forever. It's pretty harmless. And I think that we all as a society do a fairly good job. Like everybody freaked out when all those people were throwing stuff at NBA players, uh, you know, whenever that stretch of the year was and rightfully so. I think there are fans that at times say things to players that are over the line, and I think that that usually gets dealt with in a fairly appropriate manner. But it's an entertainment product. It's interactive to a degree. Boo is – and look, I, you know, I'm a booer. I boo. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I came here to this game, and I want you to play well, and you're not playing well. Boo, boo. you. Yeah. I boo. Whatever. What is it? It's such a funny thing. Why does it feel so bad? But it does. It's so stupid. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It feels terrible. And yet, and also, why does it feel so good? Why, right. why do I get to just go, boo, like right. as loud as, and I feel like, I did it. Right. I let him, I let him know I, something I, important. I know about Accountability it. was, was met, met it out here today. <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> Boo you! Right. <laughs> Thumbs down to you. Right. Oh my god, no, it's so dumb. It's such a Mets controversy. It's such a Mets, Mets August. It's been such a Mets season. The most Mets season of all. You know, I did hear an interesting guy that was talking about something on Twitter. I think this guy Kevin Balkenberg or something, but he was talking about Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> who you know is yes and you know did you see the pga tour today said they're gonna like yeah. take out people yeah you know but he, you could kind of tell that it's getting to, to bryson you know like that he yeah. was he was really affected and, and he like after the round was getting razzed and he like nearly attacked a guy basically yeah but he was kind of saying this guy was making the point that like you know are we only going to be concerned about players mental health when it's like a likable athlete, you know? So like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and like people, and he was saying like, if this was happening to Rory McIlroy, no one would stand for it because everybody likes him. Right. And, but Bryson, it's like, ah, shut up, you know, <laughs> because yeah. nobody likes them. And it was a good point, you know, like, um, and I do think the Brooksy thing, like one again, and yet there's also a part of me that's like, Guys are yelling Brooksy at you. Like, you know, like shake it off. It's not the big a deal. Uh, On the other hand, I did think it was kind of over the line that like um, Brooks Kepka was like giving out free beers to guys who, because to me, that's just inviting like the worst, you know, type, you know, that's if you want it to get really out of control, that's like the best way to do it. Well, and that, and that, right. And that's the, I think what makes this situation kind of different, like, just getting booed, like, that's part of sport. Like, that really is, and I'm sorry. That's where our, I will draw the line. Yeah. You, can't, you can't invite tens of thousands of people into a building to watch a competition they care about deeply and expect all their feedback to be only positive. Right. Like, you know, if that's what you th- – that's what it has to be, we can't do it. Right. It's I mean, just, if booing becomes crossing the line of fan behavior, like, we've that is a very – strange line we've crossed right like that feels like come on like (laughs) i'm not saying it feels good i totally get it i could like a moment of frustration i would totally excuse like 
you know, the athlete occasionally like flicks off the crowd. Like maybe you're sick of it. You had it. like, I could totally empathize with that, but like an organized sort of team-wide effort to like stick it to the fans just seems <laughs> terribly misguided right. in an entertainment business. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the right Brooks Kepka is taking it to a different level. He's the problem. He's the, you know, he's the jerk. I think where it's like, it's like targeted bullying kind of they're like say this to this person to get him upset like that's actual bullying you can't do that right but the booing yeah <laughs> the, the sticking to the fans too like look i get fans are brutal we're all idiots right but and again not to you know throw the money in their face but you make that much money for what you do because so many people care so much about it they care so much that they're willing to fight traffic, pay all this money to park and deal with all the stress and get into a building and yell at you. That's yeah. why you make all the money. So sometimes when they yell at you, you're not going to like it. And, I know. will say if they ever could like turn this season around, you know, and like it became a rallying cry and they actually did. And they were doing this the whole way, like to the fans, I would respect it. You know? Oh, absolutely. It would be the best thing ever. It would have it been so, me of like, so fun. There's a famous uh, performance where Bill Burr, he, he was getting heckled and he just erupted on the crowd. I mean, just started, he cursed them all out. Every person <laughs> in the crowd for like 20 minutes, just berated them. And like, if the Mets could pull off the sports equivalent of that, that would be cool. <laughs> Speaking of getting berated, real quick, uh, what are your thoughts on Trent Dilfer? I don't know. What are yours? You're, you're the coach. Like, I was a little bit. It's like, he definitely, uh, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. To me, I, you watch that clip, I'm like, calm down. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Well, so I, I actually, this is how I want to ask you about it. Because evidently the kid that, the kid in that video is the son of a former teammate of Dilfer's. And okay. so like they, you know, they have a relationship, right? It's not just like he's some random kid who goes to the school and Trent Dilfer's is football coach. There's also that relationship there. So let me ask you this fast forward 10, 11 years. And I am coaching high school football where your son attends and me and your son have an incident like that right. on the sideline. How do you address it with me? That's a difficult question. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's hard hitting here on the Giants yeah, Among Men podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, I do think that does that is an interesting wrinkle. Because, like, you know, when you have a real relationship, like you and my son, you know, but 10 years from now, who knows? Like, right. you guys might have gotten into an argument at a time you know what yeah, I mean? like, yeah. like, true intimacy is like that's what it is like yeah um so there's like a way you can talk to people you're actually close with in a way you can't so that's trick that'd be that's interesting because like I, what i thought you were going to ask me was like if that was my son right like and my feeling is like i'm going out on, i'm going on the field like yeah you don't talk to my son like that i don't care who you are um but if it is like where you know each other and you're both heated and you have a real relationship, I don't know. That is, that is different. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the important piece 
of the story that's getting a little bit lost. Like it, it is. It that was bad. That was ugly. Yeah, you know? yeah. You don't want to see it, and it's really, really uncomfortable to look at. And I, you know, I I would think that some sort of discipline would absolutely be appropriate if that circumstance was different. But yeah, like you know, that was sort. Of, that actually, it's funny because that was really the first thought that popped into my head once I found out that 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 Trent Dilfer's friends with that kid's dad. Right. Because it is like, I love your son. He's like, like a friend of mine, kind of, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, and I also know that when he's playing and he's competing, right. he runs hot. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, that's part of what I love right. about your son is that, when I'm up there and not totally exhausted, I love the thrill of competing with your son. Right. It's really fun for me. But yeah, I could easily see when he's like older, bigger, stronger, like hormones running wild. Right. And good at football if he yep. was really good. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And I am not one of the calmest people in your life, most likely. Right. You know, that wouldn't, I would say be out of the question. And yeah, like actually it's funny because I went to uh, football practice at the, the school I used to coach at a few days ago, just to visit, stop by, say hi to everybody. And uh, one of the closing speech that the coach gave, and this is before the Dilfer video came out where he just pointed out like, yeah, I'll kind of scream and holler you at, pra- at you at practice sometimes to make a point. But you notice during the game, I hardly ever even raise my voice because during the game, it's really important to be measured, focused, not out of control, like that sort of thing. And, you know, uh, I think that that's, that's typically how it is. But, you know, again, I think that, that that personal relationship, like you said, like the true intimacy of it, the level of comfort with the person to know that you're not going to do permanent damage or to at least, you know, know that you love the person enough that you're going to make sure you're not doing any sort of permanent damage. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I mean, it's like with everything, right? I mean, and we, I've mentioned this before, but it's like so annoying. These situations arise and there's like a video like that that sparks a lot of conversation. And there's like an actual interesting conversation to be had about it. Yeah. And while you're trying to have it, you just know there's going to be people like yelling garbage. <laughs> you know, that yeah. like, this generation is soft, like my day, that blah, 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 like bleh. And it's like, you know, just shut up. Right. <laughs> Let yeah, us right. figure out what's appropriate and what's not. And then we'll tell you and we'll let you know what we've decided. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It's not, it's not kids today are soft. That's not correct. Right. And it's also not like, you know, Trent Dilfer should be banned from interacting with children. Right. Also right. not true. Right. You know, <laughs> so uh yeah but i i just thought that that was uh no that was i mean that's really interesting that that he had a relationship with the kid and like because i just saw it and you are like jesus like yeah i mean he just seems so out of control but they both do um and you're just like it just seems weird because you're like god man you like won a super bowl and here you are like (laughs) just berating a child (laughs) physically you know getting in his face it just seems like why do you want to I, just relax it's also funny because i think for for people that are like far removed like i still coach high school sports and i work in a high school so i'm very familiar with just high school right but for yeah. pe- people like you who 
you know, if you gra- graduated from high school 20 years ago, you don't spend a lot of time around high school kids or in high yeah. school. So it's like, I think a lot of people, you get removed from it and you only think of high school sports within the context of like TV shows like Friday Night Lights or, you know, any like shows like, you know, modern day Dawson's Creeks where everybody in the high school is like kind of an adult already. They're like in their like late 20s and that's how they act, right? But when right. you're, and then when you see a video like that, that's not high quality, it's on a cell phone. If what a real high school football game, like Trent Dillon's Super Bowl champion is standing in that environment. It's so weird to right. see. It's so funny and strange. And it is like, Trent, look around, bud. Right. The setting is way different. Right, right. This is not appropriate for where you're standing right now. Right. Like everyone here, even if it's like a crazy packed high school crowd, Everybody can hear you. Right. <laughs> Everybody. Nobody can hear you on an NFL sideline right. for sure. But in a, even in a packed high school game, everybody can hear you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he did just seem so out of control. Like, I, you know, thinking back, like, I can't really imagine a, a situation where you were that out of control with, with rage at, like, my son. Like, uh, in fact, I right. wonder what that did. Like, what was that like? Yeah, when, I don't know. When right? he went back and was like, hey, we got into it there. Yeah. <laughs> was his friend like, what is the matter with you? All right. I yeah. know he was being an asshole, but geez. Right. Well, and I wonder. I feel like, you know, if, if, if again, if the scenario played out like I presented it, I would probably – like, that's the other thing, too, is when I watched that clip, my first thought was, like, as soon as you stop watching the video on camera, Trent Dilfer was definitely in his head, like, shit. Right, right. Why did I do that, right. you know? So, like, it I imagine that well. if in a similar situation, like, the moment I saw you after that game, I would have been, like, say what you got to say, but just know I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know. <laughs> You get it out of your system. Like, right. I'm not going to even tell you not to say it. You say it, but I just know why, while you're saying it, I get it. You don't have to right. convince me that I was wrong. You no, know, it's not my finest hour. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. And I think that would also be something that'd be a lot easier for me to say to you than, you know, some parent I didn't know. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, if it was if it was no relationship, it's almost it's, it is like, well, geez. I mean, then right. you, I mean, then you go down there and I might fight the coach right yeah yeah absolutely yeah all right that's all we got for this week next week it's finally game week giants denver full preview tune in